This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 140 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Omega Fields, the world's best omega-3 supplements for horses. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we have two Southern Bells. We have these adorable ladies from both Florida and Kentucky. You're going to love them. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month. And I have my producer, Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Greetings, Debbie. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm enjoying summer and enjoying a little change of weather. We had a soggy year like most people, and I'm really glad to be outside with the horses. Isn't it nice when when the weather challenges in whatever part of the world you're in, because every part of the world has weather challenges at certain times of the year. Some people it's winter, some people it's summer, some people it's spring, sometimes it's fall. But it's nice when they settle down and you get through that and you can kind of sigh and just um, <laughs> just enjoy your horse's hay breath. Yeah, hay breath. That's great. Yeah, because I know the horses must think the same thing too. You know, like, ugh, I'm so glad to be done with that season. You know, like sweaty <laughs> horse blankets and... <laughs> The hay is so much better now. Yeah, the hay is so much <laughs> little better Little bubbles now. around their, their heads, you know, of things. Yeah. But, yeah, it's nice to be outside. In California, people are probably going, like, seasons? Uh-huh, sure, no. What, you got earthquake season? And you, got, no. <laughs> you have earthquake <laughs> season and wildfire season yeah. and tax season. Those are your three seasons. Yeah. <laughs> We're through with all those now. We've had earthquakes the last couple of weeks. It's so cute with Jamie being out here getting an earthquake happening. And, and I think she told that story on uh, Horses in the Morning, but uh, but we haven't told that story here. So it's so cute. It. She, I want to hear it. She, yeah, she was adorable. She, you know, I'm so blessed to have her jump on a plane on her 4th of July and come all the way out to California from Oklahoma. And because she's committed to this horse sense and healing that we have, she's a certified instructor so that I need two people that are in one and that's her. She's passionate for our program, Horse Sense and Healing, and she is passionate about um, always on the improve of being a certified instructor. So any chance she gets to work around dad and, and the other instructors, you know, she takes it. And I, I try to be really judicious with when I ask her to come out, you know, that it's really a, a powerful um, time for both of us in needs. And it's really, it's really asking a lot, though, on a 4th of July weekend to do that with all that she's got going on. So we get her out there. She flies on her 4th of July. She comes in at night and we hit the ground running on Friday. So at the end of the day, I'm like, let's go for sushi. Yeah. And so we, we go out to eat and we might've had a little warm sake on the side there a little bit. Yeah. And we come back and she's leaning on this rental car that she's got in our driveway saying, you know, what's the plan for tomorrow? And that was really fun. And, you know, we'll do it. And she leans back and the car goes, Grit. and I thought, I said to her, like, well, that's a really cheap rental car. <laughs> you can move it to <laughs> lean on it. And she laughs and I said, but it can't be an earthquake because I promise we already had that yesterday and they're done, you know, so you're here at the safe time. I go into the house and the uh, big chandelier in the front room is swinging. Oh, no. <laughs> Guess what happened when she leaned on the car? That's actually the moment we had an earthquake. Wow. She, she texts me like a minute later going, you promised no earthquake. Wow. 
So, yeah, we actually had one right then, but that was the last of them for the weekend. So I guess my promise was half hearted. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, technically that one wasn't an after, that was an aftershock. So it doesn't count, right? Kind of, except that was a bigger one than the day before. Oh, no. Jeez. They were scaling up. Yeah. They um, they first said that was 7.1, then they reduced it to 6.9, but they went back to 7.1. The one the day before on the 4th of July was, or was the day before 4th of July? I can't remember now. July 3rd. Four. Okay, July 3rd. There we go. Um, was it July 3rd? And I, it all blends together when I'm getting ready for those things. But 6.4, I believe, is the wow. first one. So they were actually ramping up. But this is so far away from us, I have to tell everybody, too. It's, you know, hundreds of miles away from us, which is pretty incredible. You can feel it that much. Yeah. But but on the other hand, we were in no danger at all. You know, it was kind of out in a, in a, a more desert climate where yeah. it was. But it was a new fall, which is pretty interesting, too. But yeah. Uh, Anyway, those are alarming from someone for someone who doesn't live anywhere near that stuff. So I have a I have an important question. Inquiring minds need to know. Go. I'm someone who does not live in earthquake country, never have lived in earthquake country. Mm -hmm. And you always hear about um, certain animals seem to be able to anticipate Mm -hmm. and react Mm -hmm. to the earthquake, regardless of how close it is or is not. Yes. And even previous to it happening. Have you ever noticed those sorts of behaviors in any of the horses? Not until after it's over. And then you look back, for me, you know, you look back on it and go like, where were all the deer? Because when Jamie and I were out in the front of the house, that's normally, you remember that. You were out there there in the front yard just hanging around being cute. Yeah. And it's baby time. You know, they're all born in May. So usually they're out there and uh, or a few of them, at least, you know, hanging out and, um, you know, chewing their cud. And when I thought back on it, I went like, yeah, where were all the deer? Right. Um, but the, I don't on the horses. I mean, they say that about tsunamis and things, too, yeah, that yeah. that, you know, naturally they head for the high ground. And um, and I don't doubt it at all. They have all these senses that we don't have. And um, I, I think that there is a self-preservation much better than ours yeah. <laughs> it, built into them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but you, but you don't notice the horses will look, you know, do weird, strange behaviors or anything like that. And I think maybe too, I think you struck on something that the survival techniques, the domestic horse, so many of mm-hmm. those have been either genetically bred out or trained out to some degree where their Mm -hmm. hardwiring is not quite the same as a wild horse Mm -hmm. would be. But it would be so interesting to have the opportunity to observe genuinely Mm -hmm. wild horses in anticipation of natural occurrences Mm -hmm. like hurricanes or tornadoes or earthquakes Mm -hmm. and see if there is a behavioral change leading up to those mm-hmm, right before mm-hmm, yeah, like some be some indicator yeah, yeah some indicator then we have to start setting our horses to have earthquake readiness you That's know right absolutely right early early alarms early yeah alarms. yeah i don't know you know there there's two schools of thoughts on our domestic horses our domestic horses are born in captivity and they're around people so much that you think that their survival mechanisms and their reactions are dulled but I don't know that we've actually bred a lot of that out of them because if you look at things like um, Dr. Juliet Getty, who we've had on several times, and Joe Camp, and we tend to discount a little bit of their needs as a survival animal, you know, a flight animal. And I think it's they're a little closer to the surface than we probably give them credit for. Um, it's just that they're so 
accustomed to having us around that it seems sort of dull. They never get to use those Mm -hmm. aspects Mm -hmm. of their hard wiring. So they're not in touch with them. Mm -hmm. Guess what? We've got um, the physical fitness and mental fitness coming together with our first guest today. And I can't wait to hear what she has to say. And we're going to do that right after we hear from our title sponsor, Omega Fields. Hi, Joe Camp here to share about Omega Fields. Omega Fields exists to help you keep your first promise to the horses you love, to care for them well. Nutrition is the foundation of a healthy life and supports all the activity that brings you and your horse so much joy. Omega-3s from flax are the cornerstone of that foundation. So, coupled with the finest ingredients and their proprietary pure glean flax stabilization process, they created Omega Horseshine, Omega Horseshine Complete, Omega Nibblers, Low Sugar and Starch, Omega Antioxidant, and Proventum Probiotic Soft Treats. Thousands of horses are experiencing a vibrant life with the help of Omega Fields products, including all of ours, a part of helping you keep your promise to your friends. Nutrition for a healthy life isn't just their slogan. It's their purpose. Ashley Mancuso is a horse trainer, dressage rider, filmmaker, and yoga instructor. She uses yoga to facilitate a better connection between horse and rider. Something happened, though, that would forever change the path and purpose of her training horses. She has adopted the belief that violence is never the answer as her current path, teaching equestrian yoga for all levels and disciplines. Well, welcome, Ashley Mancuso. We've just loved hearing your story. We read a little bit about your bio, and I'm, I just feel fortunate to have you on. Thank you so much. This is a huge honor. I'm very excited. Well, Janet Rose, one of my dear loved friends um, of the horse rescue world and film world, introduced us, and I assume that means that you were up at her Equus International Film Festival uh, collecting hardware, maybe. yeah she did tell me to leave some space in my suitcase and I had that went over my head completely (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Completely. well you're young pretty soon pretty soon that'll be very competitive but no you're very competitive I I loved your background I mean we love horsey girls here and ones that uh, you know grew up in the saddle and um, so tell us a little bit about your mom and learning to ride I just I love I love horse families Oh, absolutely. And so I've always loved horses. My mom grew up on a ranch in Wyoming, so I believe it's in my blood. Mm-hmm. And uh, we we started riding the minute that I said I wanted to. So I was about three years old and on the front of her saddle. And from then on, I started taking riding lessons and got into a program when I was six. Uh, United States Pony Club and really did my first recognized event when I was seven on a little 12 hand pony that I swear was, you know, looking back, she was, she was a stinker. I mean, she was really, she was the one that taught me how to have that tough kind of cowgirl energy (laughs) and, you know, get the pony over the jump. Um, And gosh, I mean, it was full speed ahead from, from then on with the pony club and went to my HP rating and, uh, competed through three day eventing up through the training level, um, until I had a, an accident in 2011 
Um, and I went to college that same year at Florida State University and studied environmental studies and communications. And, um, you know, at that point, I thought that maybe, maybe riding wasn't the most important thing. Maybe I should be, you know, doing more to help the, the world and the animals and people in it. Nice. And so, you know, I kind of I took a break there, took a break. Yeah, was that wow. something that, um, you know, I, we all get distracted in college and it is, that's a tough time. We lose a <laughs> lot of good horsewomen <laughs> right about, you know, 16, <laughs> 17, 18. And, uh, and, and I think it is something like we take for granted maybe horses a little bit in our life at uh, how powerful they are or how, you know, therapy, how much therapy oh. there are in them. But, but, but I love that you, you had a, you know, thought what you thought is a bigger cause. What, uh, what, so environment is a, is sort of like animals, but it's, it's a little bit bigger than that. What yeah. got you back to the horses? Well, honestly, what took me away from the horses was the guilt I felt over the accident. Yeah. You know, I felt like, you know, I, I ruined my chances. I, I, you know, you know, kind of coming back to my yoga background and being a yoga teacher, it was kind of like the death of the ego. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, I really thought I failed this. I don't deserve to do this. I could have, you know, my horse could have been seriously injured. And so that's, I think that's really what crushed me out of horses for a while. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't the want, the, the lack of want to be okay. in horses. It was more of the, the depression really mm-hmm. that took over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah. And so many, so many girls go through that too, don't they? That, um, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Or, or even just not, uh, performing to the level that you think you could or not being able mm-hmm. to buy that next horse, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, a lot of reasons. And so what would you say to some of those gals who might actually be going through that right now? Oh my gosh. I would say, you know, the world is a really hard place and in inside of all of us is just this, you know, glowing light of pure love and generosity and, and empathy and find it, find it in yourself. And once you find it in yourself, you're going to be able to connect with the world in a way that you never thought you could. And and it starts with being gentle with yourself. And that's mm-hmm. why I really want to share yoga with the equestrian community, because there's so much competition and, you know, um, kind of fragments of the mm-hmm. equestrian world that aren't all blended together. And I think we just need to come back to love for the horse and in turn that turns into love for yourself because of, you know, how we take care of these animals and how much we, we really do want to make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. That's nice. I know you, you had said that one of the things you appreciate about some different mantras is violence is never the answer. And yeah. I love that um, because so many lesson givers and horse trainers, you know, are still of that old school a little bit about. Absolutely. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Completely yeah. medieval thing yeah. still yeah. going on. It is. Yeah. Why, why is evil in medieval? Yeah. yeah there you <laughs> shouldn't, go. It shouldn't be right. But, exactly. but I love, I love that you've, you know, you've taken that to a, a level at, at a at pretty high level though. You're not just, uh, you know, talking a good game and mostly stretching and you're out there competing at a really high level. You're at the Southern Oaks Equestrian Center in Tallahassee, Florida, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, in, and very busy, 
not only with yeah. yoga and, and you're becoming a, an extremely sought after now filmmaker, which is pretty cool in the equestrian world. Do you, do you Thank also you. film things during competitions? Do you do that, you know, to round out your filmmaking? You know, I try and I'm trying, you know, to really right now I'm at Southern Equestrian Center and, you know, many people know that's where Marsha Hartford Sapp is. Yes. You know, th- just this gorgeous place and Cobra the Mustang. So, yeah. um, he's really my main muse right now, and uh, so I try to keep my focus on him and on the idea of making a documentary about this incredible story. Okay. So I- I'm trying to stay really, you know, focused, keeping my nose <laughs> right on this story. Yeah, that that can't be too hard. I mean, it it is a beautiful story, and I do want you to introduce us to that. So you made the film uh, or collaborated and made the film on Cobra. It's called Cobra. Follow your wild heart horse heart. Mm-hmm. What <laughs> a true journey <laughs> is never finished. That's it. Follow Marsha and Cobra as they continue to educate the world about the heart and talent of America's wild Mustangs for anybody who has had their, they've been in a cave Tell us about Cobra and tell us about Three Strikes. You know, give us the the arch story of that one. Absolutely. So um, Cobra was a three strike uh, wild horse and had been at three different adoption events and been passed up for his age. And, you know, there's so many wild horses and holding pens. There's a lot of horses like this. And Marsha was going into a Mustang makeover where the trainers were allowed to pick their horse. And she saw pictures and videos of him, this regal bay, four white socked Mustang. And she saw something in him. And even though she didn't make the top 10 at that makeover, she decided to keep him and continue his training because she really thought that he had potential as a dressage horse and long story short, she, she achieved both her bronze medal and silver medal going up through intermediate with this, this previously wild horse and did so with, you know, everyday steady training. And what she always says is it's not that I'm special or that he's special. It's that I dedicated myself to him and every day checked in and, and worked on things. So it's an incredible story. It's a beautiful story. It really is a beautiful story. And you did it beautifully too. From those first moments, I saw a six minute YouTube uh, preview, I would call it. And uh, I'm going to put that in the show notes so that people can click on that link if they didn't find it. But it is uh, from the first moment when she can't even touch him yet he trusts no one and uh, seeing right. that big brand that the three strikes brand on the butt as well oh, as yeah. his BLM you know it's and he's this gorgeous dark bay it's beautiful it, and then all the way to this beautiful dressage exhibition that he gives at the end is <laughs> just like and he's a prior horse oh my gosh with little girls yeah. hugging him around the neck you know and he's striking <laughs> in the first scene striking out at Marsha and uh you yep. know and hugging people in the end so I, I I was uh honored to 
interview Marsha Sapp on episode 121 if people want to go back to that on Horsemanship Radio too. And she tells a little bit of that story while she was, it was like wag time when, with all the, yeah. everything going on then. So it was kind of a crazy time. <laughs> oh my goodness. Right. And so, yeah, it's, it's a great story and it's a, so do you consider yourself an artist because you, you have, you work with such beautiful subjects, horses and women. I mean, how much more beautiful yeah, is that? Yeah. Do you consider yourself more of a storyteller or more of a visual artist? Mm, that's a great question. So I've always been interested in making movies, mm-hmm. but I've always also been interested in, you know, having events, you know, and getting all excited and getting everyone together and bonding over something. So I actually, my cousin and I had uh, these films we'd make, and then we would round up the whole family and have film awards. So I think I got my first film award when I was 10. <laughs> and I think it was kind of given to myself for best comedy film. But <laughs> Oh, comedy. That's great. That's the so, hardest thing. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we just, you know, we had something in us. To, <laughs> um, so I think storyteller, definitely, because I think that stories are what really help us change the world and make sense of the world and, and share with each other, share, you know, sharing stories is sharing knowledge and perspective and, you know, sharing beauty. So I I think storyteller, definitely. I'd love to be more, um, more of an artist, but I think storyteller definitely is more, more of who I am. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're a good storyteller. And, and who's your, when you're making something like a film um, or writing, who's your target audience? Who do you have in your mind that you're trying to talk to? Oh, wow. Everyone, everyone, because (laughs) I think what's most important for me and another interesting fact um, I should say is that my mom is a photographer. And so I always have worked alongside of her. And is that Karen? I think Yes. Yes. Okay. Karen Mankiso. Yeah. yeah. Good. So capturing special moments and, and expressions, powerful expressions is the most important thing for me. And I think that that's something everyone can identify with. So I want to bring horses to a larger audience. I think it's crazy that, you know, not more people have access to horses in some way. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to help be a bridge to the rest of the world because horses are in all of our history. So we, we should all be equally involved as much as possible. You know, kids from all ages, you know, anyone who just needs to kind of come back and get back to their roots, get back to the salt of the earth and gosh, they just need some time with horses. Yeah, there's a lot of people out there like that. You you said from a yoga perspective and a health perspective that it improves um, stress. You know, it brings mm-hmm. everything down, and and that makes mm-hmm. total sense to me too. I, I'm glad you're beating the drum for that to get more people out there look into horses uh, as part of our health program. We'll call it that. It's not yeah. even it's therapy, but let's not chase them away. Let's call it health. You know, I think yeah, it is. exactly health. You can call it work. Um, because that's what we do. I mean, and, and I, that's a, that's the thing with yoga as well is there's this common misconception that yoga is just about relaxing and, um, yoga comes from a Sanskrit word, meaning to yoke yourself, to yoke, Mm -hmm. like, um, to discipline yourself 
define union, union with yourself, union with, you know, the higher power of the universe. And, you know, explaining this to my equestrians, I'm saying, what are we doing? We are creating a union with this amazing animal. This is, this is a practice of yoga. What we do on a daily basis when we work with these animals, this is yoga. Um, and it's hard, it's work, but that doesn't mean that it's not also, you know, just the right thing you need to relax and be happy and healthy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You talk to a nutritionist and they'll say that, um, it's not just about, how, what you put in your body, but it's also about how you take it in and what stress you're under when you take it in. And so we're all tied together, all these disciplines and and doctors, I guess, too, you know, but the, but I love the holistic look about it too. So you compete and I hear some great things coming up. Tell me about (laughs) your, tell me about your work right now with horses. So so I grew up three-day eventing and uh, also pony club sports, polo cross games, you name it, anything. And right now my focus is really on dressage and starting horses, starting the young horse, mustangs, you know, just getting things much more fine-tuned, getting into the details. And um, so I'm competing at Pre-St. George right now um, in classical dressage and uh, working my way up working my way up the levels and and learning just how to use the body and the timing and the breath to communicate better with these amazing animals. I'm loving dressage right now. Great. And uh, so pre-St. George, where are you traveling all over now? Where are you going? Um, We're saying, well, we're in Florida, we're in Tallahassee. So we, you know, we go to Jacksonville and Pensacola and Tampa and Orlando, but other than that, no, we don't, we don't get out of Florida. Well, you don't have um, you know, to, I guess. You're right. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what what are your goals? What are your goals by the end of 2019? Oh, my goal is to work on um, going all the way, going all the way to Grand Prix. And um, we have a horse right now that is a, a schoolmaster. And, you know, he's one of those horses that looks at you and says, I know more than you. Hmm. Um, and that's, that's a blessing to have an animal like that and to really respect that. And so I'm taking the opportunity to ride this horse and, uh, continue my education, continue being a student. Good, good. I love that because, uh, the high level competitor these days who has, is grounded in the, what your belief system is, is what we need for the future of, I, I think, all disciplines, frankly. But I love Thank that. You. I love to encourage that. And I would love if you would ever be out in California to be able to work with with my dad, Monty Roberts, and um, oh come side by side. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, it would, be, it would be our honor, really, to see this next generation. He loves influencing the next generation with whatever they ask of him. You know, uh, he yeah. never knows. He just takes horses for what they are on the day. Yeah. And, um, you know, I I think you're thinking outside the box. It's not a methodology, really. It's concepts, but they're they're delivered by the horse, <laughs> not us. Yes, exactly. Right? Exactly. We work with. Yeah. So I think that would be, that would be really fun to see you two work together. I would love that. I'm very excited about the movement right now that he's doing. It's, it's just all, you know, exactly where 
I think the world should be moving. And it's it's really beautiful and inspiring to see. Thank you. Thank you. We've got some, I can't release the names just yet, but we're, <laughs> um, we've got some names for the movement next year, our event that we have had now twice uh, in the springtime. And uh, there are, I, I'm just, blown away at how many people are kind of getting us, you know, <laughs> and they mm-hmm. want to be a part of it. And that's what a movement's all about, isn't it? Just uh, yes. yeah. making making us move forward, getting better. And uh, I won't yeah. even say change because I think the elements are all in there. Some people might need to change, but really there's a lot of us that are marching forward for the horse and, uh, and using the horses in many aspects of life with children and uh, veterans and everything. So I'm so glad that you get Get us. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm trying. I definitely don't oh my gosh, claim to yeah. be an expert ever. I think that the the people I look up to the most are, you know, the ones like Monty who say, you know, I'm still learning. I'm still learning. And mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, I'm just as much a student as I am a teacher. I think that that's mm-hmm. a really beautiful thing. And um, my yoga instructor, Timmy Bender Howard, is very much um, always, always, always coming back to that idea that she is a student, we're her students, but you know, we all teach each other and move forward together. That's wonderful. Well, thank you, Ashley Mancuso for being on Horsemanship Radio. It's, it's lovely to talk to you and I can't wait to meet you in person and I can't wait to work with you. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much. It's been, it's been amazing. I really, am really blessed. Thank you. Where do people find you? Where do they go to follow Ashley? So right now, um, honestly, Facebook is the best spot. I'm Ashley Mancuso, and you'll see me. I'm the one doing yoga with the horses. (laughs) Lovely. (laughs) Yeah, um, we'll recognize you're beautiful. You're beautiful as well as the horses. So, yeah. Okay, so we will go looking for you there. And, uh, hey, beef up that Instagram, too. We want to see more of your videos on there, too. Oh, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah, good, good. Okay, thank you, Ashley, for being on today. Cavallo horse and rider, Carol and Greg Giles, too, have been longtime supporters of the Horsemanship Radio, and we thought, you know what better way to show how their support goes than through the people who buy their boots? So we have this from Brenna Eldridge on a Facebook post. I could not be happier with my decision to transition my horse to barefoot and choosing Cavallo for his hoof protection. I always thought my horse just had bad feet and that he would always be lame barefoot until I realized that I was enabling that dependency. By allowing his feet to adapt back to the way that they were naturally intended, his feet have become strong and he now seems perfectly comfortable barefoot. With the added weight of a rider on rough terrain, I invested in my first pair of Cavallo boots. I went with the track boots, and they fit him perfectly. I was able to do anything that I could do in metal shoes, and I have no longer stress over him losing a metal shoe and damaging his hoof when removed. The Cavallo boots have provided him greater shock absorbencies when riding on hard ground, and so far, whether it be on trails or in the arena, he seems extremely comfortable in his boots. I do a variety of riding, including trails, gaming, and drill, and I'm excited to get into the gaming season to put truly those boots to test. I believe that in horsemanship, you have to pick methods that make the most sense to you. And for me, that is the naturality of barefoot and the protection of the Cavallo boots. Brenna. 
Olivia Warner is 12 years old and she resides in Winchester, Kentucky. Her parents could see her love for horses early on and she started riding on her own at age four years and competing too in her first show at age five. Recently, Olivia trained her first Mustang for the 2019 Kentucky Extreme Mustang Makeover with her filly Gypsy from Nevada. They placed 12th overall out of 38 youth from all over the U.S., Her future goal is to gentle and rehome as many of the herd management areas as she can and aspires to be a professional horse trainer, too. Welcome, Olivia Warner. Hey, I am so glad to talk to you. You are the very first 12-year-old I've ever interviewed about participating in a Mustang makeover. Do you believe that? No, not sure. It's pretty cool. I'm very excited to chat with you today. But uh, the first thing I I wanted to tell everybody that I read this article about you um, in in your local paper a couple of months ago. Um, How was the experience? This is, I imagine this is the first time you've been interviewed for a newspaper, right? Yes, it was. It was really fun and unique. Fantastic. When you decided to sign up, I know there's a little story behind that. Can you tell me a little bit about how you decided to sign up for the Mustang Makeover? Well, last year we went to watch the adults and they had youth perform perform before the adults did. And I asked my mom, like, can I do that next year? And she's like, maybe. And they weren't supposed to come back until like a couple of years. So they're like, I said, now they're coming back, so you have to let me do it. And she's like, well, okay. So, so she said it was okay? We ended up going. Yeah, but there was a little surprise. I love the little part of the story I read that how they told you it was okay. Yeah, a little Mustang car. <laughs> Tell me about selecting your horse. Well, we don't get to select our horse. They come picked for us, and then you go to the holding pens and pick your horse up. And where are the holding pins? And there's one in Ohio and Texas. They're all around. Where'd you go? We went to uh, to Tennessee. To Tennessee. And and so they pick them for you. But what's the age of the horse? That that has to be an age range probably, right? Two-year-olds. Yearling to two-year-olds. What's yours? What's the name of your horse? Gypsy. Gypsy. And how old was Gypsy when you chose her or him? Well, we think that she was like a year old. Right now we think she's a year and a half because she is very small. Mm-hmm. Have you teased her? Have you have you reached in her mouth and can you tell yes. from her teeth? Yeah. Yes, we have. Okay. Now, I know you've been a horseman for a long time. Do you feel like you're pretty accomplished at this point? Yeah, I think we've come very far from since like the first day. Yeah, what was the first thing you did when you got her home? We let her settle and then we, like in a couple of days, we actually started putting the halter on and then took her out to a round pin. Oh, you work in the round pin too. So was it a little bit of a challenge to get that first halter on? Yes, we actually we couldn't get it on with Justine. Then we actually had to pin her up because she was like biting, kicking at you when you got near. So we had to like make her get confined where you could put it on. 
Mm-hmm. Yep, she's a real Mustang. <laughs> <laughs> and, and did you get you get excited about her? Does she have a freeze brand there that hieroglyphics yeah. that kind of yeah? And did you look it all up and see what she's where, where she was born yeah. and yeah, pretty cool stuff. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not everybody knows about that, so um, you might have to do a school project to um, let everybody know how that works. So now, tell me yeah. about. You know you're going to be in this competition because your horse is chosen for you. How does each day go for you? Do you start small and incrementally? Or what was the first thing that you knew that was the first goal that you had to achieve? We, The first goal was like getting her home and touching her mm-hmm. and letting her know that we're not going to hurt her. Mm-hmm. And then putting the halter on and then slowly, gradually going up from there. Okay, and you, when you got her in the round pin finally, and that must have been a challenge, what did you yeah. do first in the round pin? We put a lead rope on her and broke her to lead, which was very hard. What did you do first? Did you, did you do it yourself, or did you have a big burly guy with hairy legs to help you out? Well, my dad helped me. He just like put the lead rope on and made her walk. And then the same day, I actually got in there with her to walk her around. Mm-hmm. Did she did she like your dad better or you better? Me. Ah, that's nice. You knew you had the right horse then, huh? Yep. Did you name her Gypsy or did somebody else? I did. Good. And is there a story behind that? Well, I had a goat and her name was Gyps. And so I was like, my goat actually passed away. So I was like, I'm going to do something in memory for my goat. So I actually... Uh-huh. And my horse, Gypsy Rose, kind of different, but yeah, yeah it kind of has a meaning to me. Yeah. Now tell me, I know that you ended up doing some freestyle, I think, as part of this contest, right? Yes. Tell we have me three if classes. three classes, tell me about that. We have a handling conditioning, which is just like in a round pin, being able to go catch it, brushing the horse, picking up all four feet, loading backing up and loading and unloading in a trailer mm-hmm. but you have to memorize a pattern to teach the like to show the judges that you can side pass your horse pivot and trot with it very good wow that's a lot mm-hmm. to expect how long was your training before you were in the competition 100 days wow that's a lot. I mean, you must have got up every morning thinking, I've got to get something accomplished with Gypsy today, yeah? Yeah. I made lists every day. Did you? And what was the hardest thing for you to get through on that list? Being able to go out in the round pen, let her go and catch her. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's right. Was she a little skeptical? Yeah. you would. We put her, we had like a little stall and... You would put food in there, and then you would have to shut the gate, grab her, and then you could open the gate to let her out in the round pen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you probably studied her ears and her eyes to see what mood she yeah. was in or what she was thinking about. She don't, yeah, she don't have a lot of motion in her eyes, so you just got to kind of watch her ears. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it was it a challenge to get around her ears for your hands? No. Nope, she was okay with that. What was the biggest she was, really vul- done with it. was she what, what what part of her body was she a little bit more worried about with you? Her nose. Her nose, huh? Her nose, like right in that nose and up 
to like mm-hmm. where the eyeballs and mm-hmm. everywhere else she'd be fine. It was just her nose. Does she like to be scratched on the withers? Is that like one of her favorite spots or what's her favorite spot? Right before you get to her tail, her butt. She loves her butt scratched. Ah. <laughs> she sounds like a mare. So I, some of the stuff that was in this article I thought was just brilliant. I love that you said it's cool how you saw her changing over the time. We took a lot of pictures and videos. So just like in the middle, I would go back to the beginning to like where I'm at right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you also said in the article that through training – that you've learned to be more patient and calm, not only with horses, but with people. You want to tell me yes. about that? <laughs> well, with her, if you would try to rush her, she wouldn't do anything. And just trying to rush her, she would, like, kick and bite and be a mare. Mm-hmm. And same with people. If you try to rush them, they're not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boy, that's that's a lot to learn at a young age, yeah. but it's really good. Isn't that cool what horses teach us? Yes. Yeah, but you've been showing horses since you were five. So how much, and and you've won trophies and won a lot of yes. things. You trained your first miniature when you were six, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Yes, that was some of the, that was really fun because I had my little mini and actually taught her the barrel race. Did you? Yes. <laughs> Are are you kind of small yourself? Uh, when I was six, I was. I'm getting mm-hmm. taller. Mm-hmm. If my if Gypsy don't grow, I'll, I can't ride her. Mm-hmm. She's too small. Oh, she's that small, huh? How many hands is mm-hmm. she? She's three, thirteen, one. Oh yeah. Well, that's she's got some size to her too. You'll just have to give her to some young person, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have a little brother that I might let him use her. Perfect. We need more. Oh, and you know what my goal is, is to get you to say, start her. Can you say that? Yes. When I start her in a couple of years. I love my brother. Good girl. So you're going to start her at what age then? Around three and a half to four. I'm going to start her at three and a half, like with a saddle at four. I'm going to get on her and ride her. Good girl. Wear your helmet. So I read also in this article that your end goal is to do this for a living and that you want to rescue and train kill pen horses, uh, horses being sent to slaughter. How did you come up with that huge goal? Just something that came to my mind. I was like, all these horses are going, they're going to the kill pen. They're going to slaughter. And one horse can make a big difference if I just keep going with it. It was just Really from the Mustangs, because mm-hmm. horses, Mustangs can't be sent to slaughter, so all the other horses can, so if I could do that, and that would make better, it would make the horse industry a little bit better. Good girl. That's awesome. Well, can you tell us, before we wrap up, can you tell us just a little bit about that experience being in the arena during the freestyle? We When we went at the Mustang Makeover, our freestyle we had this, we did the 80s, so which means like really poofy, poofy. We had a really poofy dress on. Our hair was all big. And we, the last two performances were really sad. So ours really bumped up the crowd. Definitely with the cowboy curtain. And then we went to a spindle. When, when we that. did the spindle, 
we lunged her. I was above her, which is like, because horses obviously don't like anything above them because it could jump down and grab them, like in the wild. So it was mm-hmm. like a big thing for something to be above her while lunging. Mm-hmm. So that was really big for her to do. And then we did a trick that I taught her. And then we did a tarp, which the crab was so happy about because it was like it stayed on her all the time through the poles. And then we did a pedestal and we got off the pedestal and I taught her to completely bow, which she learned a week and a half before the Mustang makeover. Oh, fun, fun stuff. Is there any way, did you have a YouTube of it or anything? Any way anybody can go see it somewhere? Facebook on the EMM page and my mom has it posted on hers too. Oh, good. Maybe we can put a little link to that Facebook page in the show notes so people can go find it. That's Nikki in the background coaching you, I think. That's your mom, right? Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, thank you both, Nikki and Olivia, for sharing a little bit about a Mustang makeover from a 12-year-old perspective. I really appreciate it. And Nikki and Olivia, I'm so proud of you all supporting the, the Mustang Heritage Foundation and the Mustang Makeovers. So keep up the good work. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say a word. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than mine. Magic in the language of the herd. Monty, or Dad, what do you do with a horse that repeatedly runs to the gate? Oh, Debbie, this is a real chance for me because it has been my whole career, this business of causing horses not to want to run to the gate. And one must remember, if the horse tends to pull to the gate, not even run to the gate, but just tends to pull to the gate, the performance goes downhill and you want your horse to be uncomfortable when you're near the gate and then perfectly comfortable when you're away from the gate. And so the horse will migrate to the comfort zone, but there's a lot of things along the line that you can do. You, you should be aware of the fact that horses that tend to run to the gate have been ridden out the gate many, many times. And riding a horse out the gate is not a good idea at any time. I suggest, like in the cutting, um, you'll see them get off in the herd when they're schooling a horse and lead him out of the herd. Because if you're working the cow and he's thinking about leaving the herd, his tendency will be to advance and do that. Mm -hmm. So getting off and leading out the gate should be one of the first things that you do to stop down this tendency. Um, should he continue to do it, I would suggest schooling him by going back near the gate and then do a pattern of work there. Small circles is what I recommend and cause him to be uncomfortable by doing this work, pretty tough work, and then ride away and get him really comfortable. Um, in rare horses, 
they will continue to do this problem sometimes. It's just uh, however long you've allowed it to happen, it gets deeper and deeper into their DNA. Mm -hmm. And you need to really go to work on it. And um, I, I think also that I should tell you a story about a horse that I had when I was on the team for Cal Poly. And I was in a competition in Oregon. And uh, this horse would tend to bear to the right if the gate he exited was on the right. And he would tend to bear to the left if the gate he exited was on the left. And in this particular competition, where he wanted to go was a big part of it. And you could get hurt if he bore to the right. Mm -hmm. So I get to this arena and I find there's no gate on the left. Holy moly, what am I going to do? And I go riding around there and I find a little human gate that you have to take a couple of feet step up. Uh, and then you're in the grandstand. But I didn't care. I opened the little gate and I jumped him up the two feet and I rode him down through the grandstand and out the people ramp. Oh, my word. He soiled the grandstand and I had a janitor chasing me. Um get out of here, he said. But anyway, Bernie performed beautifully on the show, and he bore toward that gate. It's, it's in their DNA. That's what they will do. I went on to be a world champion uh, with Bernie, and uh, so it worked. Um, you know, if you continue to have this problem, look at your arena. And you will often hear people say, but that's the only gate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, if your horse is worth the effort and you feel that it's a great uh, disadvantage for this horse to bear toward the gate, think about another gate. Mm -hmm. I just made an extra gate in my racetrack for a horse that wanted to go to this gate that's been there for 53 years. And he wanted to go there so badly it was interfering with his performance. So I made another gate on the other side of my racetrack. After 53 years, I had to take out some hedge and make a little gate. But I tell you, it worked. So think about it. Just a little gate with, um, you know, something easy for the people to put up with that own the place. Or if you own the place, then it's much easier to put up with it. But oftentimes, it's where other horses live or something, and it's difficult. But, you know, resolve yourself to get the problem fixed. And then you could get off and always back out the gate. Mm -hmm. That makes a difference. If they go forward out the gate, then while they're going forward, they will think more about going out the gate. If you get off and back them out the gate... It's an improved situation, although I'm for making another gate. I think it will help you in the end with that difficult horse that you're having a lot of trouble with. Those are the things that I would do. I tell you that I get off my horse. I don't get on so well anymore, but I can get off in the arena and lead him out. And I think people just think, oh, I'm being casual about it and you know, I'm leading my horse back to the barn. But that's not the case. I want that horse to work for me, 
while I'm asking him to and not be thinking about going home or out the gate. So I'll work, get off, lead down, and maybe turn him around and back him out the gate. Mm -hmm. Then you're using all of those psychological adventures that will help your horse stop veering toward the gate. And do you rotate those two gates that you have now created? Yeah, you know, you could make two or three if you had the Mm -hmm. chance to, and then rotate them around, that's true. Because the horse that goes home by headed north when his house is south will always be easier to control than the horse that's headed south through a separate gate but still headed south. Mm -hmm. So if you can go out the other way and rotate the gates, you're well ahead of the game. Great. Well, thank you for that. You're welcome. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, August 5th through 16th, coming right up, Jen's favorite, Gentling Wild Horses in California. Yeah. And September 28th, then he's across the pond. He's going to start a tour in the, at the Scottish National Equestrian Center in Oak Bridge. And then October 12th, he'll be at Hadlow College. October 18th, he'll be at Hartbury College. And October 20th, he'll be in Myers Co. College. But stay tuned. We have some dates that might be coming up not only in Ireland, but Poland. Ooh, Poland. Cool. If you didn't commit all of that to memory, and who did, because you're busily either driving your car, cleaning your stall, or doing trot sets right now, you can find (laughs) all of that and more at MontyRoberts.com. Or you can give the good folks at Flag is Up Farms a call at 805-688-6288. And for details about today's show, go to HorsemanshipRadio.com, look for episode 140, and you'll find links, photos, and more information about today's guests and topics. As always, we love your feedback. Why do we love their feedback, Debbie? We love their feedback because we make our shows better with your feedback, of course. That's right. And you can follow Monty Roberts on Facebook. Just type in there, Monty Roberts. Click like and follow the one with the little blue check marks. That's the official page. And you can also follow Monty on Twitter, 150 characters at a time, Monty (laughs) underscore Roberts, and the same on Instagram. Beautiful Instagram. That's right. That's your fave. Uh (laughs) And and to get the app, too, go to the Horse Radio Network on iTunes, Android, podcast. I mean, it's all, how many places can you get a podcast these days? iHeartRadio. There are many, many, many podcast players. If you go to your app store and your phone and just look mm-hmm. for pod, pod, podcast players, there are lots of them. iTunes, of mm-hmm. course, is kind of the, the original. Uh, we also mm-hmm. have the original HRN app. Just go to your, horse, your app store and just search for Horse Radio Network. That yeah. one is easy because you can say either play subscribe to all the shows on the horse radio network, or you can pick and choose just the ones you want Mm -hmm. and it works for Android and iPhones. So any podcast player will work. You can just listen to it on your computer as well. You don't even have to use your smartphone. If you're anti-smartphone, that's true. You can just use your computer. It's (laughs) anti-smartphone. 
That's right. Take it away from your kids. And many many thanks to our sponsors, too. That's Omega Fields, Cavallo Horse and Rider, and Monty Roberts University. And don't forget to visit all the other great shows, too, on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. <laughs> 